life. Are you growing with it or feeling left out? Either way or in between, you're in the right place today with the host of Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, Jillian. She's an award-winning author and radio personality. She's warm, she's fuzzy, and she's got an attitude. Welcome. I'm Julie Moss-Backman, and this is Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. Well, we are on week five of Spiritual Trends, What Does It Mean? I usually like to keep my series around three to four shows because after that it gets a little redundant and there's not too much more to say. I like to get to the place where I've exhausted every possibility or thought at least I have in my head and hopefully you do too. But what's interesting about this subject is that there's no way I could have got it in four short half-hour increments because the topic is so relevant to what's going on out there in our changing times. And quite frankly, it's such a broad perspective. There's from extremes to mainstream, and to get it all in for four weeks was just kind of a a silly task on my part. So I've decided to expand that a couple more weeks. I'm not quite sure how long it'll go yet. (laughs) It all depends on if I find good guests and I have more to say. And apparently my guests and people around me have a lot more to say. So just stay tuned, not sure where we're going. Last week's show was titled When Religion Goes Wrong with my guest, Dr. Lori Roth. You think I'm a passionate girl about what I do. Sometimes even she feels like she goes over the top. But the good thing about her is that you have to admire her for her commitment and passion that comes through the airwaves and in her blog, quite frankly. It's like a shining star or a sunburst coming through the rain clouds. I mean, she just comes on like a pit bull. She's not afraid to tackle subjects that she feels true in her heart. And if you didn't pick it up or not, and she said it several times, she has an evangelical perspective And there are lots of topics going on out there right now that she hits upon. And she's like a pit bull. Like I said, she grabs onto things and she doesn't let go. In fact, the topic that we covered last week on the idea of when religion and spiritual practices are taken way, way out of normal context and they go into this bizarre odd, almost unrealistic trains of thoughts and ideas and practices that are going on out there. Case in point, the subject we talked about last week was with Catherine Grove, who's a young congregational member who belongs to this church, and it's called the Church of Wells in Texas. You know, a lot of people out there are very concerned about this young woman's health and wellness of being in, in associated with this Church of Wells. And the church itself is being accused of being 
unorthodox, shall I say, in their practices and against this young woman and the elders and leaders of the church are young as well and they're being accused of some really unscrupulative practices like locked prayer doors and closets and putting people in closets and misusing the Bible verses to condemn the outside world as we are all evil protagonists that are against all them and that they, quite frankly, should separate themselves in order to make their way into heaven as they perceive it. And she left the church several months ago, late last year, I believe it was, and then the elders somehow came and got her back from where she was staying and took her back to the church. So now we're at a stalemate, basically, between the church and this young Catherine Grove and her parents and friends who are extremely concerned about her. And there's a lot of pressure being put on this church to let her come home. You know, when I was thinking after the broadcast, you know, I know this is an isolated incident that we talked about specifically, and it's playing in front of the media cameras. And I thought it was important that we bring this this case in particular to the forefront, broader view of what I wanted everyone to get last week, which, which was discernment. There's a lot of widespread misuse of spiritual and religious choices out there that may not be the healthiest once you get involved with them. And how organizations like this are using social media in particular and other forms of interactive internet services to attract this younger, unsuspected, very honest, I want to say, and somewhat naive individuals that are selling greater things that we all want, which is salvation and harmony. The biggest part I want you all to take away from last week was that we should be using our own awareness and our logical discernment. Discernment is a word that you can use with everything, but there's logic here that needs to be used when you're seeking a deeper connection with spirit, God, or the universe. I implore each one of you not to abandon the intellect that we all have, whether you're young or older, we all have a set of intellectual parameters for which we make our own decisions with. And we also can feel a spiritual growing spurt in awareness of all of us. But the question becomes, we need to trust the leaders and elders that we bring in. There's no pat answers, and if they have the pat answers like these elders do at the Church of Wealth, I would hope that we are long far enough with our own spiritual awareness that that would show up red flags to the rest of us. I want to carry on that same theme that we're going for, which is spiritual trends. And whether you call it being saved or finding inner peace, it's that awareness and that spiritual conviction that's constantly inside each one of us. I hope that you got some kind of discernment and better judgment from listening to the show next week. 
I implore each one of you to keep your eye on this public view that's going down at the Church of Wells in Texas. I know the media gets a bad rap sometimes, but in this particular case, I really believe and hope and pray like the rest of you that we get a peaceful ending and keep the pressure on of letting this young girl go from that place next week. Go back and listen to that show that Dr. Laura Roth and I did and the case of Catherine Grove at Change Already with Jillian at Blog Talk Radio. Look for week four, or you can go to my website at jillianmossbackman.com. And, of course, everything's on iTunes. I want to keep the discussion going about spiritual trends this week, but I want to calm it down a little bit. <laughs> I know that it was off the hook last week, but you got to go with Dr. Roth. When she's in the zone, you got to play with her in her own playground. I want to turn the conversation. Wow. What did you listen? Oh, that's our our guest, Andrew Harvey. Did you listen to her? Yes. Hello, everybody. I oh, hello. She was very powerful. My goodness, what a crusader <laughs> of the heart that one! Fantastic. You know, right? I mean, a great, I just, great speaker. My goodness, I was absolutely captivated. Oh, I know. Well, thank you for that. I was too. And you know, uh, this is Andrew Harvey. Let me tell you a little bit about him. And he's just as dynamic as Dr. Roth. You're going to find out. But what I just let her go because I wanted, even I was just in the zone with her. And so let me tell you a little bit about uh, this mystic author that we're talking about and with and joining me on air today, Andrew Harvey. Ender and I made a connection through radio in my book, Beyond the Pews, Breaking with Tradition and Letting Go of Religious Lockdown, several years ago when I became aware of his work uh, through a mutual friend named Jill. Do you remember that, Andrew? You were on my guest. Yes, darling, I do. Oh, on my FM. It was incredible on WLKG 96.1, The Lake Outside of Chicago. And it was called It's For You, and he was part of a series that I wrote, Authentic Self. That was back in 2010, Andrew. I know. We were young. (laughs) We were young. (laughs) Hey, hey, we're still young. We were young young. before this wild winter aged us all a thousand years, yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I did my homework, and I went back and listened to that. And one of the things that we were talking about, Andrew, and that I love so much, is that we were talking about sacred activism. One of the things I want you all to know about Andrew, and this is what I um, admire the most about him. We can talk about his acolytes in a few minutes. But what's so good about him, and this is what I want people to hear about spiritual trends, is that he has stayed in his wheelhouse ever since I've come across his work, meaning he started working with activism and spirituality years ago. And on that program, we talked about the 10 things that he shared on air that one can do right now to become a sacred activism. He has not gone off track. He has stayed with this wheelhouse. He knows exactly what he needs to teach the rest of us and what we need to learn from him. He doesn't go willy-nilly with the latest 
buzzwords, nor do I, and he does it, he stays right with the message that he's been true to the whole time. So I want to revisit oh, that. That's the sweetest <laughs> thing anybody has ever said. I just want to say to everybody, I am not bribing her. This is pure love. Thank you. Oh, you're I'm welcome. So That's a really I... the nicest thing that I've ever heard, and I don't deserve it, but I do receive it with tremendous gratitude. Thank you so much for saying such beautiful things oh. about my work. You're welcome. Thank you for uh, being a part of my process of growing as a teacher out there as well. Well, I need to tell you that We're he all has written each other. <laughs> I know, right? Constantly. It's wonderful. Yes, in God's wild He's... garden. Yeah. Oh, thank God. He's written over thirty yes. books. He's a renowned spiritual religious scholar, and he's a teacher of mystic tradition. His books include Way of Passion, A Celebration of Rumi, which I love, Journey to Lakkar, The Return of the Mother, Son of Man, and The Direct Path, Creating a Journey to the Divine Using the World's Mystic Tradition. He's been honored by Benjamin Franklin Award, Mind, Body, Spirit Award, and the Christmas Humphrey Award for a journey, this journey book. He was born in South India, which I know the difference between South India and North India. Yes. I South do. It's a very different place. It's very, it's ancient, ancient India. North India was conquered by the Muslims, and South India was never completely conquered, so it retained the old Hindu majesty and beauty. It's amazing. It's a very subtle, great civilization, actually. It is really, you know, I have... I have studied a lot about India, and I think it's one of those things I'm talking about that people are awakening to, Andrew, in America, just the whole Indian culture, the understanding, the mysticism, which dates way, way back. And he studied at Oxford University and became a fellow of All Souls College in 1973. He's the founder and director of the Institute for Sacred Activism, which offers ongoing programs since 2008. And he's also a radio host, like myself, uh, with the same name on Hay House Radio, A Guide to Sacred Activism. Well, Andrew, I want the first question I want to ask you is, since it's been four years, how are we doing on sacred activism? (laughs) Well, If you look at the contemporary situation, it's not very encouraging to put it that way. I know. Oh, I was... We're staring at a series of erupting crises all over the world where the environment is clearly crumbling. We have a very rickety infrastructure in place and a massively corrupt ruling class. And this is a global crisis now. And it's not encouraging when you see so little being done and the majority of people in such denial and such stupendous passivity in the face of growing disasters. It's scary. But the advantage of living the kind of life I do is that you meet the most incredible people who are turning up in this crisis and who are saying, whatever it takes, I'm going to give it. Whatever it 
demands of me, I'm going to offer up willingly. I'm just going to go for broke. I'm going to really give my life to try and turn this madness around in whatever way I'm inspired to do it. And those are the sacred activists, and they're everywhere. And they're growing because the crisis is getting much, much, much more extreme. And the more extreme the crisis becomes, the more that necessity of uniting the deepest heart knowledge about reality with real action to try and save humanity and the creation from this destruction process, the more that will be born in people because it's part of a huge evolutionary process that is preparing a new kind of human being on the earth. And that process is this death-rebirth process we and the whole planet are now in because we are responsible for the dying of the planet and we're dying ourselves through this so we have to turn this around and sacred activism is i believe the fiery force of love in action that can heal the great wound of separation and help us turn this around so i'm very um sobered by what's happening but very exhilarated by the growing amounts of extraordinary people that I meet who are coming together to say no to the past and yes to this tremendous adventure of getting real about love. It's uh, a very paradoxical situation, I find, don't you? I do. In fact, and, and, and you know, I'm taking notes as we talk, which I always do because I, I like to listen to what you're saying. When we first met... I think we both were very optimistic, Andrew. I think four years ago we were open to this discussion and that we would not, it would be a less bumpy road. Let's put it that way, okay? Yes, I think it's going worse than we could ever have imagined, yes. And you know what? You and I don't think like that to begin with. In other words, I don't look at the negative, you don't look at the negative, but I I want people to understand the words that you're saying is not coming from negativity. They don't come from doom and gloom, they just come from real understanding, they come from clarity, because I faced where we are, that's all, it's nothing to do with doom and gloom, you've got to be realistic, because that's your only way of truly helping yourself or other people. If you're telling people that this is a walk through a park and all you have to do is watch the secret and the oceans will suddenly be unpolluted and every single politician will be honest, you're out of your mind. You're telling people lies. You've got to tell people (laughs) as far as you can the truth without freaking them out or, if necessary, freaking them out because you're not doing your job unless you truly try and wake people up before everybody goes off an immense cliff into nowhere. Well, and this is exactly what I was talking about in the last couple of weeks, Andrew, which is there's a lot of spiritual choices out there, both religious and spiritual. And somehow we, we got this idea as a mass culture that all we have to do is do these little tasks, whether we go to... Um, uh, you know, a Reiki master, a shaman person, a, a communist, you know, whatever, and we read some meditations, we do a little uh, verse or two that everything's going to turn around. I think the first this is such part... Horseshit, but it's, you, it's it dangerous is. and terrible and radioactive horseshit, and it's deliberately 
a pollution of the mind and soul of the world because what would a massive fascist corporate state want except a lot of greedy narcissistic babies who are totally isolated <laughs> and totally addicted to their own rotten egos kept in that yeah. state of addiction by a false mystical industry corporate sponsored that's what we are seeing that's fundamentally the nature of the new age it's very scary because as the world's exploding, as there's crisis after crisis, as that Syria just festers like a huge cancerous sore in the body of the world, Africa's insane. You go through the slums of India and you think, my God, there are 400 million people living in this country alone on less than a dollar a day. How the hell do they get through the day? When you're living in that kind of world, how can we go on believing in a spirituality that isn't hands-on action inspired by love and wisdom right now that's a doom picture but on the flip side of it andrew i don't think no it's not a doom that... picture it's a it's it's a fantastically exciting picture because if we woke up in that way and started working with desperate love together to help each other and the planet amazing energies of justice and compassion would be Unleashed. I agree. And here's the deal that I think is that, you know, I used to believe, Andrew, that we all had to get together, sing Kumbaya, and get along and be on the same page. Well, the four years that I've grown, I've learned, forget it. There's people that aren't going to do it. But here's the part I have found, and I'd like to hear your opinion on that. The people that are starting to awaken, or whatever we want to call that nowadays, are opening up to a love culture. Their love is so deep, it's almost like tenfold one person of the nay side. And so I'm looking at it like we don't need all the people. This is a very beautiful thing you've just said, I think. It may be that what you're describing is the birth of a new humanity, that it's like the coming on of lights in a a vast studded football of different bulbs. And that when a light comes on, a, a new kind of person is born with a new kind of consciousness that really loves and wants to put that love into action. That person has a very strange, mysterious power that is like what the... Dr. Ching says, when one sage is worth 10,000 warriors. Yes, yes. And I believe that now. I didn't oh, believe I, that I, used to, Andrew. No, I you, be- you can't believe it until you're beginning to know it, I think. Don't you? It's yes. Not, um, you, it's a grace to know the truth of that. And it doesn't mean that you are a sage. It means that you've had your glimpses of what being a sage for a fragment of a second or two could be like. And you know that it exists. And that means... Of course, that consciousness is more powerful than anything once it's born in the person. You know, and deconstruction is always a nasty deal. I mean, we the only yes. way that we were going to really see what it's was a going, horrible ordeal. Horrible it's ordeal, the dark but night, you know, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, and everybody condemns social media and the way media shows things and everything else. The, the advantage to it, Andrew, is at least we're seeing some kind of truth of what goes on 
in Syria or Africa because a long time ago, spiritual and religious factions were on their own island. They didn't want to know what I'm would with go. You a thousand percent. This, uh, social media can be used for the most transformative purposes. Look, we're having a conversation on social media, and you're, this is thrilling that people can be with us at this moment in an intimacy that's really a completely new phenomenon on the earth. It depends what consciousness you're in, what intention you have, but my God, this is a divine field potentially, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, I'm excited. I know it sounds crazy to people, but I'm excited about the work you're doing. I'm excited about the work Dr. Roth is doing. Now, if you listen to her, she's totally evangelical. But I've been on her radio show, and people warned me, Andrew, not to go on there because I would get torn apart. It was an amazing experience. So we are doing some kind of collaborative effort. But the question becomes, how do we cipher through the nonsense out there with spiritual trends, Andrew, and how do we find the truth of what we need to follow? (coughs) Well, I think that you have some basic criteria, and that means you get humble about what humanity is in relationship to God. You realize that the essential relationship with creation is is reverence and balance and humility and that we are so deeply rebelled against that that we've created a complete hell house on this earth which is now destroying us. You have to get to that recognition. And then you have to really put your faith in divine love, guided by the testimony of all the mystics and also guided by what you've met in tremendous moments of joy in your life. You have to believe that, that those joys that you felt are rays of the sun of the great joy that's awaiting you when you let yourself go and have the great sublime love affair for which you created. Mm. <laughs> that's what I would say. And how, you know, how can people find that? Because here's, people are awakening every day. In other words, what I mean by that is oh, they're they letting are. go. Yes. They're letting go of the chains that have held them, whether that's religious upbringing chains or condemnation of other groups against other groups. People are yes. really starting to They're let go up, yes. of all that stuff. Where do yes. they go first? So for me, I've been in the game for a long time. I understand it. But a lot of folks out there don't even know where to start in the sea of all this, Andrew, anymore. What advice can you give people that if they're willing and ready to join the other factions of love and light, what do they do and where do they go? Well, I think the most important thing to do is to start a deep spiritual practice that connects you to whatever vision you have of the divine that you truly love. So it doesn't matter what religion you belong to. It doesn't matter whether you're a Buddhist or a Taoist. What matters is that you are approaching the mystery through something you truly love. So have a practice that is deep meditation, silent meditation, just watching your thoughts, and then have a very simple practice of devotion to any being that you truly love as a representative of the divine and bring those two together 
So foundation has to be in the mystical union with the one. That is where you will get the mystical training to become what I believe is essential that we all try and become, which is a sacred activist, someone who fuses together in the core of his or her being the deepest passion for God with the deepest passion for justice. And so brings masculine and feminine transcendence and eminence, body and soul, together in a fusion of divine presence, divine passion, divine love, incarnate love. And that is the birthing force of a new world, a new creation, if only we can allow it to be birthed in us. And that is the path now to allow this great birth. And there's a very simple way of doing it, which is to combine three things in the core of your life. Prayer to the presence in, by, in whatever way you want. Just talk to that presence. Ask for its guidance. Meditation, as I've described, and then truly treating the whole of your life as an opportunity to serve love's appearance in the world by truly working on your shadows, by truly devoting yourself to the people in your life by truly following the contours of this great crisis and not turning your eyes away from it and by truly listening to your heart and asking yourself one question what of all these things that are happening in this world breaks my heart the most just ask yourself that one question because if you keep asking that question to yourself you'll find that there's something that's happening in the crisis that you can't deny is really terrible and that you feel terribly, terribly broken and sad about it. It's so important to connect with that heartbreak because that heartbreak will, if you follow it, guide you to a tremendous passion to do something real about what you feel so really and rawly about. And when you find that passion and that mission, you'll put the whole of your being behind it because it will be very powerful for you because it will be totally integrated with your whole being, your heart, your mind, your soul, and your body. You'll be experiencing reality as it really is, this unified field, and you'll be acting from the depths of that unified field in sacred activism. It will change your experience of everything, radical embodiment. That's the message that I feel that I'm trying to live, that I'm trying to understand myself. And I like the consistency there, Andrew. I like the idea that you have to be consistent. You can't just do it one day. It takes a consistent lifetime to oh, yeah. dedicate yourself to that. The part I think that I have trouble with, Andrew, is it's hard to stay positive. It, it really is nowadays when you look around at all that's going on and I consider myself a steward of learning, awareness, and spiritual growth every day like you do. But how do, in the world can we stay optimistic? I've had many conversations with my spiritual friends that we just want to give up. Let's just forget it. Let's just, we're, we're in our space. We have our little group where we do our spiritual stuff. And, and screw the rest of you. If you, don't, if you don't get it and you don't want to do the work, um, why do I, as an activist myself, why do I have to keep going, Andrew? If it's not making any difference, what do I have to keep doing this for? 
Well, I think that it is making a difference to you. It's an alchemy in whose fire you're burning. It's an alchemy of love at its deepest. You've chosen a life, your heart and soul have chosen a life of service, and it hurts when you serve. It really does. It's not a glamorous Right. Exactly. I think you just have to face who you're serving. Getting real about the price of love, isn't it? I what, think how so. How would you imagine? But yeah. And, you know, you. love gets you, but the part that no, I want to talk you. about... Oh, guts you, yeah. Guts yeah. you, you know, guts you, takes a knife and guts you. Love guts you, because yeah. love kills the ego. Love kills the carcass you're carrying around. I don't mean the body, I mean the a whole separation concept, madness of, of believing you can control anything. You, you can be one with what is through grace. I know, and you know, as war- spiritual warriors out there, Andrew, the the ego part of this whole situation, they're getting more entrenched, you know. And and know. as we get entrenched, they're getting entrenched. As we get brighter, they get darker, you know. And yes. that's just common common bug. reality. It is a wild book. <laughs> yes. Yes, the divine is enjoying itself with itself. I mean, my God, this is... <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a very, very extreme situation. I'm so glad you really allow yourself to see it like that because it's confirming for me. But it's once you surrender to the facts that you describe, once you just say, this is what the divine is dealing with, dealing me with, I'm going to play it for everything I have. I'm going to give everything to the most beautiful possible outcome. I choose joy. You don't have to be optimistic or pessimistic because that traps you in time. And in the end, we're here to wake up from the dream of time, enter the eternal presence within us, and then act from that eternal presence in time to be of true help. Yeah. Absolutely right, and I don't understand why that is so hard for people to understand. But the one thing I want well, to I think hop it's because on it doesn't make you rich. It doesn't make you thin. Yeah. It doesn't make you a celebrity. Right. It doesn't yeah. get you a McMansion. You can't believe you're the center of the universe and can spend millions of spas while people die of starvation. Right? Yeah. Exactly, and that's what we're it all about. The majority the of fantasy of our culture, so of course yeah. it's dangerous. It's a very dangerous vision because you don't get to that place of adoration except by having your head cut off. You don't. <laughs> it's not handed over to you in a weekend retreat. Exactly, or someone says to you, "You've erased all your karma." What up? I don't, Whatever you know, that just blows. Whatever they say. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the the thing I want to type on next to, however, is the book that you have out now. And the name oh, of it is time. The Hope. But the word that I was thinking about the word hope and meditating on it, and I thought about this because every spiritual and religious text talks about hope. And it's constructed around the advent of hope, whether that's the hope in salvation 
the hope of spiritual awakening, or even the hope of better tomorrow. And it has stood the test of time, and everybody's focusing on seeking out love, right? But we have to find hope first in our heart before we even can experience the love we're talking about. So I thought the 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 the, the, thank you. The choice, well, thank you. The choice of your new title to your book, The Hope of Sacred Activism, is so spot on because we are becoming a hopeless society. And I'm including yeah. myself in that sometimes, Andrew. Oh, good. I, you know, yeah. Oh, but, you, you know, everybody's trying to find love. Well, they're jumping a big step, which is keep the hope. Exactly, and keep it by fanning your soul, by tending to your soul. This is a very important time for the deepest kind of self-care, beyond the creams and the retreats. It's for the deepest kind of self-care, which is real, just saying the name of God in the heart during the day, or really remembering the presence at every moment, so that every moment can become as sacred as it truly is. So is this book about the 10 steps that you talked about four years ago? Well, this is book it the is next... really a roadmap. It's, you That's know, what, what I'm I saying. Is, it's a Go fundamental ahead. roadmap for what I believe can be the way out of this situation. I believe that we've come okay. to the end of one kind of way of dealing with things because we've separated the divine from the creation we've separated the light from form we've separated the masculine from the feminine and now it's time to bring them all together and see that out of our fantasy of separation from the true oneness of the universe we've created the death machine which is destroying us but that there is an antidote and that is bringing together the two great fires of the human heart the fire of the passion for God the fire of the passion for justice and birthing a third fire that is love and wisdom embodied in action. A new kind of human divine being that through grace is born in the whole being, in love, with love, through love, and doing the work of love. And that is sacred activism, and it's a, f- a revolutionary love force, and it's on the planet, and it is the birthing force, potentially, of a new humanity. And its appearance is why things are so dark, because it could potentially open up the dark and heal the dark in ways that no other force has been able to do, because it is love in action as well as wisdom in action. It's divine love and divine awareness in action. So it's the embodied divine human, this vision of hope, doesn't come from illusions about where we are. It comes from an experience of what this new force, this force of love embodied, can do. And that is the experience that being asked to become a sacred activist is offering the one who chooses to say yes. It's really an amazing opening of the whole being to the divine drama being enacted and being a member of that drama, loving as much as you can and giving as much as you can to the work of this renaissance that's trying to be born from the chaos. 
I think the 10 suggestions that you made four years ago was about turning on that flame for a lot of people. I think it was a time in place where, you know, people could do simple things and meditate and prayer, and I can't remember all 10 of them. Where I, I, yes, you can, can refresh. Kinds of, uh, yes, absolutely. It was and simple, this, practical suggestions for getting involved right, right now, which, which was a baby step, but an important first step, because people can feel most disempowered at the beginning, and when they start, they get hooked with the joy of doing something. They want to do something, but they don't always know how. That was what I was offering. That's right. Advice. I think this new book, from what I've read about it, Andrew, is about sustainability. I think that it's about restorative justice. That's what came to my mind when I was meditating, meaning now that we've got past the spark of meditation, it's a common conversation between everyone. We can use the word on mainstream. Nobody's afraid of it. I'm just using that word. We're doing yoga. We're doing Tai Chi. We're doing all these things. But the next step is now sustainability. And sustainability means you've got to find something to grab hold of. And it sounds like this book of yours is exactly what the next step of what people need to listen to and read, how to keep going on that spark that brought them to the table in the first place and how it comes down, Andrew. You know, both of us know that it's not that exciting time when someone awakens. It becomes a way of life, and it's sustainable with a life force that's like a river. That's it. It's the mother's grace. It's it's the surrender to the mother that brings it doesn't it it's very much a gift of the embodied godhead that beautiful holy blessing you put it so beautifully thank you oh thank you but i like the restorative justice here because you talk about fire which is passion and justice oh, that's the key. and, I, and it is the key, is the key. On every level, and to all the species we've mutilated, to the hideous damage we've done to ourselves, to each other, and to the commitment to making the institutions of this world reflect the truth of the equality of all that lives in the one that celebrates nothing but the holiness of life. Let's get real. Let's get down. Let's get humble now. Right. And last week I talked about binary decisions. When you talk about justice, when I talk about justice, we're not talking about justice for winning on our side of the spiritual coin. We're talking oh about God. natural we're talking about natural justice, the ebb and flow of what it originally was set up to be if we all work in that matrix of energy and spirituality, love and hope, it will find its way back to the natural flow. People don't believe that, Andrew. Well, they're right not to believe it from where the culture tells them everybody (laughs) is supposed to live because there isn't a lot of help in this culture. But if only they could trust that Jesus and Ramakrishna and the Buddha and Rumi and all the great mystical poets and the great mystical writers of humanity were not nuts but actually onto something amazing. If only they could trust that and just risk getting 
crazy with the love they'll never understand, then something could open up for them. They have, you have to take a risk in this love affair with God. You have to jump, in, jump into the mystery, don't you? And you can't never think push somebody into the mystery. And, and what, I'm, what I'm, you know, people love a mystery, but they love the dark side of a mystery. They don't, you know, right. they love the good and bad and evil part, but when it doesn't come with drama, which it doesn't once you get in there, and it doesn't come with factions that are evil within yourself, you learn to handle those things, and it becomes a very simple life. And we are in a complicated situation, Andrew. People are That's so it. complicated with stuff, and we tell them that it's very simple. They don't get that. Well, I think it's very hard. I think we must, you know, I think I've been in their place. Haven't you had that? Oh, gosh, yes. And yes. So it's not them. It's the part of them that's out there that, it's, our problem is we're not communicating what we know cleverly or kindly or compassionately enough. Maybe it's because we think we're superior in some way instead of just being part of this great illusion, just l- saved by grace to go a little further on, but only through grace, right? Absolutely. And you know what's so strange about it? I don't know about you. I'm more excited about the advent of a breakthrough than I have ever before. And I don't know why, because there's more chaos, but the energy of goodness, grace, love, hope, whatever you want to call it, I can feel it, Andrew. I can sense it wherever I go. Maybe I'm just not out there enough. I think that's so true. I think there is a growing group of people on the planet, all over the planet, who are waking up to where we are, who are setting themselves afire with true love in action, and they're the guide for a new kind of human being and a new kind of doing and being. It's going to change everything if only we allow it, and I think we should allow it because it's the next evolutionary stage, I believe, and it's the way in which we could survive this chaos of our own making, thrive in that chaos, and with the help of the chaos's wisdom, birth a new way of being. It's going to be amazing, but we've got to get going. We've got to do the training now because <laughs> it's coming. So Lord, what can do we do? Wait. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, don't wait. You know what? You know I want people to read this book. I really do, Andrew, because it's one of those Thank books so that's so easy to grasp and get a hold of at ever at whatever level you're at. Whether you've been in the spiritual realm for a long time or whether you're brand new, it's a good book to share with other people. And I that think is so sweet some of you to say it. Thank you. Thank you. I think sometimes people get overwhelmed when we start talking about that this that it you know it's clear over somewhere else and there's nothing one person can do. I really am working hard on the relationships I have to make them deeper connection. Really oh, digging so down cool. and going deeper. Are you doing that and are you finding that other people are doing that? I think there's a Yes, I I am trying to do that. I think <laughs> I'm trying to do that. Yes, I think it's it's very demanding. All of this opening we're doing, 
there's a lot of heart opening going on. It's like heart surgery, and that's where the hope is mm. coming. I think and does that mean? People, does it, go ahead. Does that mean that then you have to step away from some people, though, Andrew? I have found that oh, you know yes. if they're not willing to go and take our relationship to a different level, I've really got to step away because I can feel the energy in the universe able to sustain higher connections of love between people that I did four years ago when we talked. I don't think people want to step away from people that are not doing the work. Right. Well, I think you don't have to um, step towards or step away. God will take people out of your path when that time comes. Yes. And when that happens, it's so important to bow to that person and to say thank you for the great gifts that whatever happened between you, they undoubtedly gave you because they, for a while, were very beloved and loved well. So let's take the honey from the rock. (laughs) I love that, take the honey from the rock. No, it's really important. Otherwise, you become bitter and you don't understand that it's a perfect teaching. You're meant to lose, but what you're given by losing is so much more wonderful than anything you could have had if you'd won. And, you know, that lands in, in family structures, though. You know, when yes. you try to tell people to live a spiritual life, and that means you have to step away, and especially people with big egos in your family, that's really hard for people to do because where are they going to go next? And where are all right. these people? You know, right. we talk about all these people awakening. Where are they at? Well, they're not at church. Where are they at? Well, I where think can you... this is where the, the, the places like Shift, Mag- Shift um, Network that do amazing teachings from different teachers all over the world, and they do a wonderful job. And you can go and take teachings, and it's not a crazy price. And then there's a community that's created by them where you can link up with people in your world and get into connection with them. I think there are all kinds of opportunities through social media to create new kinds of spiritual interconnection. And I think it's also perhaps important to think of getting groups of friends, which I call Networks of Grace, together in local communities. Starting being simple about it and saying, look, we know things are not great and we all are worried about stuff and we're all busy, but what do we care most about and what can we do to gather something about in our own local community? Let's get going. It's something simple like that would activate a great many people's will and open people from this meaninglessness that so many of us are afflicted by often, right? You got it. You know, I went to see the Dalai Lama last year, and he was talking about this same thing. Lucky, lucky. He's so wonderful. Oh, oh, he's so... Let's just pause and think about his holiness. It's it's such a blessing to have been on the earth at the same time as that very, very great person. I know. And what he said, Andrew, struck a chord with me. He said, that he is not going to see this awakened lifetime of peace and love in his lifetime. But what he did say was he has traveled all over the world and he's starting to see the pieces and connection 
this love and peace that we're talking about from continent to continent. And he said that we needed to keep going, but what he said was it's going to show up in the next generation. And so I think what we need to keep our minds on is that we, he is telling everyone out there the same message in a different voice that we are making and connecting the dots between continents and we're doing it for our children and the next generation. Yeah, wow, that's wonderful. And he really is such an extraordinary, that's very sober and very clear, isn't it? It is, and you know, and but see, we are the ground boots. We're the ones, Andrew, that are out there that are seeing the destruction and everything else. Now you have an advantage because you travel all over the world, and so you have the same kind right, of connection that's also that a multiple orgy of destruction. <laughs> but are you kidding? I mean, don't think I just. Arrive and there's a limousine, and then I just go and yeah, I, have my toenails painted by Kenneth at La Star. No, baby. I know. People look at us going, wow, they've got the life. They're going, I'm like, really? We are out there in the trenches just like the rest of you. We have the heavy lifting to do. But what I want to bring it back to is that he was talking about the young kids, and I you know, we hear this thing, the hipsters and everything else, and I have a lot of conversations with young kids. I think that they are really annoyed and fed up with what's going on, and they are not oh, afraid yeah. to call the rest of us out on it that are their mentors and people above them, and they are getting it. They're already awakened. They're just yeah. annoyed because it's not lining up with what they came in with, Andrew. No, and I think that there's immense wisdom in the young in general. I I meet a lot of people in their 30s and early 40s whom I consider young now because I'm 61. (laughs) And my God, I'm so impressed by the level of presence and integration. The men are so much more open and kind with other men than they were in my generation. Straight, gay, doesn't matter. There's that wonderful connection that is allowed now. It's not crazy, right? Yes, what and very huge breakthrough, and I'm sure it's the same. It thing is. Thing, I think amazing liberation. So, and I think it's happened in the immense eruption of victory, subtle ones for women's rights all over the world, despite horrible odds, and also for gay rights, despite horrible repercussions in Uganda and Russia. But my God, the advances in America! There's a, a bushfire of of love happening. And I want to add spiritual awakening because, you know, my whole thing was I was grown up in a religious church and as as a minister's daughter. And for years and years, I I stood behind the rest of you and was afraid. So I'm watching this gay um, avenue open. I'm watching the women's avenue open. And only in the last couple of years since I took sent my book out there, praise God, thanks for your help, Andrew, and your backing on that, was I able to to come out of the closet myself? So there's so many ways that are opening up out there. I was scared to death to have Dr. Roth on my show years ago 
not last week. Wow. It was a wonderful discussion. So I think it's, the door is wide open for people to come out and be more authentic than they ever have before. Oh, my goodness. At this stage, if you're not gambling everything for your life mission, <laughs> why bother? <laughs> why bother? Yeah, I agree with you. So I'm really, learning that. Because that's the only way to have a truly exciting <laughs> life. You give an impossible situation, impossible odds, but a passionate inspiration. Go for it. Play the game. <laughs> give everything. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm watching my fellow uh, advocates out there. We're almost out of time. A couple things. Tell us about your radio well, you're show. You're such a wonderful I was... interviewer. What amazing oh gift you've given me by your wisdom. I've so enjoyed oh, listening to you. My goodness. Oh, such an impressive person. Oh. oh, my God. Andrew, thank you. Okay, now you're going to make me cry. Let's talk about your cry, show. Cry, cry, cry. <laughs> no, it was really lovely to speak with you. <laughs> thank you for your grace and, and great, great high intelligence. What How privileged people who listen to your show are. Thank you. Oh, bless you. Um, I'd love to come on your show and, and talk, but tell yes, me about your course, show. And well, I don't have a Hay House radio show. I think that refers to oh, one, a did. sequence I did. I don't uh, okay. have a radio show at the moment, but I'm quite often on the radio, and I do have a, a website, andrewharvey.net, and there are a lot of yes. videos and free audios, and I'd love it if you felt that whatever I have to say is exciting, that you could go there for free and enjoy whatever you want to enjoy and receive. That's would make my heart oh, happy. I love it. You're so open. You're one of those mystics out there that's not afraid to hold back secrets. You tell everybody the natural way of getting out. I think that's why I'm so drawn to your work. It's so honest with high integrity and people can learn something by everything you're putting out there because you're not holding back at all, Andrew. So thank you again. And the name of the new book is, is what's the name of the new book? The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism. I hope each one of you are able to get a hold of that. Start there and work your way back. Start from the back, taking another book and working up to the hope. It doesn't matter where you start. It is about consistency, love and hope and integrity. But most of all, we all have to do our own work in this sacred activism that we've been talking about in this last hour. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us on air today. Oh, bless your work. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Much. Next week, I'm going to continue with another guest. His name is Robert. We're going to talk about astrology and the different aspects of goodness that one can draw from that. But remember, between now and then, change doesn't have to be difficult, but it is necessary to grow. I'll see you same time, same place, high noon, Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. You can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before. Just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already. <laughs>